The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Executive producer of Spotlight, and this is from the beginning of one of the great Christmas classics, Home Alone. You're the only one who has to make trouble. I'm the only one getting dumped up. You're the only one acting up. Now, get upstairs. I am upstairs, dummy. Third floor? Go. It's scary up there. Don't be silly. Fuller will be up in a little while. I don't want a super fuller. You know about him. He wets the bed. He'll pee all over me. I know it. Fine. We'll put him somewhere else. I'm sorry. It's too late. Get upstairs. Everyone in this family hates me. Then maybe you should ask Santa for a new family. I don't want a new family. I don't want any family. Families suck. Just stay up there. I don't want to see you again for the rest of the night. I don't want to see you again for the rest of my whole life. And I don't want to see anybody else either. I hope you don't mean that. You'd feel pretty sad if you woke up tomorrow morning and you didn't have a family. No, I wouldn't. Then say it again. Maybe it'll happen. I hope I never see any jerks again. <laughs> Macaulay Culkin in Home Alone. Lisa, it yeah. is one of the greats. It is the great, I think, uh, Christmas classic film. You know, Macaulay Culkin, 1990. Everybody knows and loves it. But, I mean, actually, the stats behind it are phenomenal. I mean, this grossed over 476 million worldwide. And to my mind is probably the quintessential Christmas movie. Macaulay Culkin, of course, got his star on the Walk of Fame there on the December 1st. He's just shy of the 3,000 star on the Walk of Fame. And I think anyone who knows this has watched this multiple times. I yeah. can't even remember how many times I've watched this. Well, it's very entertaining. I mean, because of the demise of the two lads who are trying to break in. It it, it is belly laughs and it's, it's slapstick yeah, yeah. comedy. It does. And for my sins, I actually watched uh, Home Alone 2 last night uh, just, just to kind of refresh my memory as well on how brilliant the franchise is. But I suppose the original uh, 1990 film is the one that kick-started it, directed by Chris Columbus, um, who everybody will know all his great works from Gremlins right through to Goonies. And but he wasn't penciled in to direct it initially. No, it was actually John Hughes, the writer. And, um, you know, they, they decided to kind of change tack just for studio problems. I mean, money was a huge issue when it came to making this movie. They were only garnered, I think it was 10 million by Warner Brothers to make this. And there was serious problems. It edged up to about 14 million and they were going to cut the cord on it completely. But Chris Columbus really decided and invested in this movie that this was the one that was going to make it, but actually the very, very small performance of John Candy got it over the line. That one day he did in the movie got one the film One day up. his performance. One day, and there's a great story behind this. This is all improvised because John Hughes and, and of course uh, John Candy were best pals, Uncle Buck, etc, etc. That's how Macaulay Culkin got the role actually. But he was only paid $471 for a the day. Work. And he did 23 hours and he was raging with John Hughes because he did it as a favour. And actually the pizza delivery boy in this made more money for the day than actually uh, John than, Hughes did. Than John Candy. <laughs> yeah. Now, who else John was Hansen, considered yes. for the role that Macaulay Culkin got? Well, you know, because the casting directors saw hundreds and hundreds of children, but it really came down to Macaulay Culkin from Uncle Buck that really uh, was the one that uh, caught the attention of the directors. But there were so many others. John Cusack, uh, which I thought would be a very strange choice, mm. but Michael J. Fox wouldn't have been bad. He was also in for the running. And Ralph Macanio, if I'm pronouncing that right, that's Danny LaRusso in The Karate Kid, if everybody remembers that from the uh, late 80s. So there was a few people in the running, but ultimately Macaulay Culkin, it was written for him. Mm. Now, where did the 
inspiration for the whole thing come from? Obviously, it's a, a, a there's a fairly simple tale here. You get a child who really loves his parents, but is acting up a bit, and uh, there's a happy ending. I mean, I'm not spoiling anything by saying I that. I think everybody's seen but, it. Yeah. But the, the rest of the stuff in between and the two ne'er do wells. Well, indeed, because we have our burglars, and I think Chris Columbus often spoke about he wanted to make sure that they weren't, you know, malevolent and maleficent kind they of characters. Hapless. That they were hapless, kind of slapstick. And my husband last night was watching, you know, Home Alone 2, as I mentioned, and he was roaring laughing at the slapstick. And it is that, you know, that's the the nutshell of the burglars. I mean, they're silly, you know, they're they're based on kind of, you know, these Tom and Jerry cartoons of the 1950s. Yeah. And, and that's what they wanted. Old Man Marley. Now, this is probably um, a deliberate uh, nod to A Christmas Carol, Marley. That's right, absolutely. And he's meant to be, of course, the menacing character in the film, but of course he isn't. I mean, he has the most important line in the film. You know, the relationship you have with your family is very complex. It's a complex thing. And then, of course, we see his granddaughter, who is actually played by Macaulay Culkin's sister. They tried to cast yeah. somebody else, but her name was Quinn Culkin, so... There, they got somebody else indeed. But oh, it's you have another clip. I do indeed. This is very, very funny. And everybody knows this. This, is, of course, was improvised by Macaulay Culkin. And I'll tell you why after you have a listen. At Super Shower, washing every body part with actual soap, including all my major crevices, including in between my toes and in my belly button, which I never did before but sort of enjoyed. I wash my hair with the Don't Formula shampoo and use cream rinse for that just wash shine. I can't seem to find my toothbrush, so I'll pick one up when I go out today. Other than that, I'm in good shape. Everybody knows that, of course, the aftershave scene. Um, now, of course, he wasn't meant to actually take his hands away from his face. Macaulay Culkin did that naturally and that was left in. And that improvised scream that went on and on and on was kind of what made it, you know, mm. the comedic timing. Now, Joe Pesci, not known for comedic roles, <laughs> one would have thought. No. Joe Pesci, of course, everybody would know from Raging Bull, Goodfellas, you know, Casino, incredible, incredible actor. And uh, when he was approached by John Hughes and Chris Columbus, he originally turned it down, but then thought about maybe, you know, bringing his his comedic appeal to a younger audience. So actually said yes. And they were totally starstruck when they said, when he said he would take on the role. Now, obviously, Joe Pesci is renowned for his F-bombs in all of those Scorsese movies. Um, but actually, he created his own language. You know, when he's, the slapstick elements happen and he falls on his back or he gets his hair fried off. All of that was improvised by Pesci because he said he needed to bring a bit of Scorsese into Home Alone and that's what he did. He created his own language. Um, but so many great booby traps are in the movie. That, the tarantula. Yeah, the tarantula was all done in one take. And that was a real tarantula that was put on the actor's face. And uh, he did the scream in post-production. But yes, he allowed that tarantula on his face. I mean, I've seen it. You've, I'm sure you know the scene. It's absolutely terrifying. Mm. So, um, All yeah, right. So anyway, if anyone hasn't seen it, and there are a few, it's well worth a watch for, for kids of all ages. Oh, absolutely. And Macaulay Culkin was nominated mm. for a Golden Globe. So there you go. Now, you mentioned Joe Pesci there and his yes. um, fondness for the F-bombs. Um there's a story here about the number of profanities on uh, television at the moment uh, compared to years ago. Yes. The coarsening of 
television programmes? Well, I think, you know, what's, what's interesting is that um, <laughs> the annual number of swear words across 60,000 TV shows and films are dating back to 1985. It surged from fewer than 5,000, which isn't actually a lot at all, to 60,000. Um, personally, we talk about Joe Pesci. I'm blaming Martin Scorsese because his most profanity-ridden film is The Wolf of Wall Street in 2013 with 569 F-bombs. So that kicked things off, including Casino, which is 400 but um, yeah, I think it's because of films and, and TV shows talk about succession or Peaky Blinders. Mm. The profanity is in there and it's regular. So, so if you're going to reproduce the lingua franca um, of a particular situation, uh, the idea that uh, the, the hoods in the mafia or whatever would be speaking the Queen's or the King's English rather than what they would normally hear on the streets themselves is unlikely. It's They're, unlikely, yeah. So if you want li- uh, art to mirror life, you've got to throw in the profanities. Indeed. And Martin Scorsese has often said himself, even though as a devout Catholic he doesn't swear himself, that he likes to pursue that avenue in his own films, which we've seen in Goodfellas mm-hmm. and, and you name you name all the movies that the profanities are there. But he feels it gives a sense of realism to the characters and how they would speak, you know, colloquially, which makes sense. Uh, finally, there's a story... Um, l- 2006, the the year of the last good Christmas film, that they don't make goodies anymore. What say you? Oh, I say yes, Pat. And I think you'd agree with me because I know one of your favourites is The Wizard of Oz. I love Wizard of Oz, Wonderful Life, back into the 40s and 50s. I mean, we're looking at around 2006, you've got the Love Actually time, mm-hmm. uh, which I know everybody loves Love Actually. And of course, The Holiday and many of those great movies, those kind of naughty bangers, you know, Elf as well and, and uh, Die Hard into the 80s. But really, some of the movies nowadays are awful that they're putting out on Netflix. It's just junk. There's just nothing really to them. Though the Christmas Chronicles wasn't too bad. You know, oh, we'll all right, but often directors and writers will try to find a twist like Bad Santa or something like that. Indeed, yeah. And they're kind of what this article is saying is that they're really, you know, kind of churning out really dud Christmas movies. You don't get those classic movies that we all know and love like Home Alone or, or other. Um, and the Radio Times poll said that the UK's favourite Christmas movie of all time was indeed Home Alone. But something like The Princess Switch, which is on, I think, Netflix at the moment, people are questioning why has that become a trilogy? You know, these aren't great Christmas movies. You know, you wouldn't really see some some of the newer ones on air at the moment, thank God. Um, maybe it is that in a troubled world we're looking for Sweetness and happy endings. Indeed. Heart and humour, as I would say. All right. Lisa Cannon, TV presenter, executive producer of Spotlight. Uh, Thank you very much for joining us. The Pat Kenny Show. With Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9am. On News Talk.